Hello and welcome to the Flancast. It's a bit of a strange edition. I'm here, but I've got another Scottish man that's talking to me. Uh, and it's not John for a change. Scott, how are you? I'm very well and thank you for, for the invite. Um, I, I don't know if it'll be as good, stroke bad, stroke terrifying, delete as applicable as, as John usually good lad, is, good but lad. I'll, I'll uh, give it a go. If anyone doesn't know Scott, Scott is John's co-host on the Velocast. Uh, he's the intelligent one. He's the one that makes John sound good. He writes he writes all of John's scripts and gives him all his prompts. So just in case you think John is that brilliant, no, it's actually Scott is the the, the one behind it all. Um, but yeah, Scott runs the daily shows with John. He does all the other stuff with John on the Velocast and has been a friend of mine since we started talking about podcasting since we met up on Twitter. We won't mention how many years ago. Um, too long. Oh, too long, too let's, long. Let's get into the meat of this thing. Scott, we're on the, the second rest day. Um, it's been an amazing two weeks it's been a throwback tour or something that you've compared to the 80s um how do you think it's it's developed so far it has been enthralling most days which is not something you can normally say of a grand tour uh certainly in recent times i mean the, the giro has had this reputation as being the exciting grand tour the, the tour de france kind of feels like it's it's too big for its own good sometimes and and people aren't prepared to take any risks because there's so much pressure heaped upon it but i kind of feel that the situation has changed this year i i, I don't think i'm alone in, in saying that the zero route proved to be a bit of a dud this year whereas the the, the tour de france has has felt like it, it's it's really you know, throwing caution to the wind and yeah, they very much feels like there's a, a bit of an innovative start. They've had some, where's you know, even just this two years. So this year's year on this year's tour, um, I know they tr- they did a long lead in with the Giro and they've done the same thing kind of with the tour, but there seems to have been a bit more mixed stages in the start of this tour and kept everyone inter- interested. The jersey swapped hands a few times. There was lads going for polka dot, you know. So there was a lot of there's a lot more riding and a lot more interest and I wasn't just uh, sprint stage uh, transition stage you know it was whereas the Giro just felt flat for those first seven ten days after the after the opening TZ and everything just seemed to stay alive stay interesting and um, you know even the swap over from Ciccone to back to Alaphilippe stuff like that has really made this first couple of weeks interesting and I suppose the other thing that's made it very interesting is the fact that Team Sky, Team Ineos have not been dominant in any way, shape, or form. No, and we're, we're kind of used to seeing them sit on the sidelines to a certain extent for for the the first week and a half, if not two weeks. And and there's the Imperial uh, March from Star uh, from Star Wars slowly building up in the background as as they come to the fore when we get to to the meat of the of the race, but. Given how up in the air this race has been from from the word go, and also I think a, a large part of this, as I'm sure we'll come on to, is the absence of Chris Froome. They have been notable by their absence, and, and it hasn't just been them biding their time. When, when it actually came to the crunch, the guys that we expected from, from Team Ineos, not only their GC guys, but the the support the domestiques that usually form what we we would have called the, the sky train across the past decade or so just haven't been in, in any way shape or form the dominant 
group of, of riders that we're, we're used to seeing. I mean, I, I think it, playing the part of, of Team Enios this past few stages has been Jumbo Visma. They've been the guys that have been sitting at the front on mountains and, and really drilling it. Yeah, and even early on, I know we were WhatsApping there and, you know, Wood Pools was sitting at the back of groups and stuff like that. And I was, I was going, maybe they're saving him. And you were saying, no, he just doesn't look right. And yeah, to your point, they just, they haven't had the, con- where it's started to get hot, where it's starting, the pace has gone up, or where there's been a bit of GC activity. They've been notable in their in their absence. You know, normally you, you would have seen Pools, Bernal, Kiewitowski, and Thomas, and maybe one other. And they are thereabouts towards the last climb, and they just haven't been there. Uh, and even when they have, you know, Thomas has lost time, or Bernal has lost time, and they don't seem they seem to be falling between two stools. Do you think this this two leaders thing has kind of made others kind of go, well, look, they don't know who they're riding for. Let's just go at them and see what happens. Or do you think that? because they've gone for the two leaders thing uh, they don't really know Bernal hasn't rode in Britain when he's been up the road Thomas hasn't attacked riders in the when he's been dropped you know and there's no one trying to pace Thomas back up so I think in my own mind they're probably falling between two stools with their, 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 their tactics and it's playing into the hands of others what do you think of him? Well I mean I know the team Sky has, has been have always gone to Grand Tours with two leaders that there might be, you know, some leaders are more equal than others, but, but certainly they've always had some kind of plan B should the worst happen to the, the, the designated leader. And that has caused friction as we saw way back still, in 2012. Still causing friction the, to this day, according the, the, to, to a cer- to a certain winner's <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's not go there, <laughs> but, as far as that team are concerned, they've always had this this attitude of go with two guys that they feel can win the tour. And it's not a case that they are riding against each other. They, they are riding essentially for, for one guy until such times as the other guy needs to step up. That doesn't seem to be the case. I'd, I get the feeling from Team Anios that it's not so much that they're being pulled apart between two leaders it's just that there doesn't seem to be confidence in the strategy that they've got or indeed the outcome to the strategy um and indeed the performance of of the guys who are team leaders i mean i know there is a big question mark over Geraint thomas coming into the race because he hadn't really proven himself coming into the race he crashed out a tour de suisse so his form was was a bit dubious Bernal such a young guy of course won Tour de Suisse this year but does he really command the the type of respect that um, even as defending champion Geraint would or indeed the multiple champion that Chris Froome is so it kind of feels like not so much in, in my mind that they're being pulled between two horses it's just there doesn't seem to be the the cohesion and the belief about what they're doing. I mean, I I know that looking at that time trial the other day, Team Ineos expected Geraint Thomas to have put 
a bigger amount. I mean, regardless of who won on the day, I think everybody was probably expecting Rohan Dennis to to come to the fore. But you know, that's another story for another day. Um, but Team Anios were expecting Geraint to put a lot of time into the guys that they felt would have been his immediate GC rivals, and that didn't happen. And then he didn't perform on the tourmalay. People are saying it was a wee bit of a kind of comeback yesterday on on Prat Dalby, but he never he, he was he was able to come back to a certain extent once the road eased off. And he, as John put it on on our show yesterday, the perspective that he gained from it was: look, he still didn't drop Alejandro Valverde, so it wasn't the blistering yeah. attack that we saw, say from from Geraint last year on Alpduez. So. I think, kind of trying to read between the lines of the team, they see Egan Bernal as possibly their best bet to actually win the thing. But logic dictates that you support the guy who's not only the defending champion, but also the guy who's better placed in GC. And that would be Geraint Thomas. So there's this weird dichotomy going on about what they need to do for for the rest of this tour. And I think that's actually been a, a little kind of grain of, of, of sand that's been irritating them right from the word go. They just don't know yeah, and, what and the to that plan point, is think, this year. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned Thomas's time trial. I think Bernal's time trial was, was poor enough as well. Like, he, he shipped a, he shipped a minute to, to yeah. Thomas. Like, yeah. And again, they would have liked him further up. Like, he was behind Port, Pino, uh, Kreuzweg, you know. So, you're going, oh, right, hmm. This is not really where they expect it to be. So if they're not where they expect it to be, can they expect them to do what they're expected to do as well? Uh, and I suppose it all has come down. I know it's, there may be some questions raised now in the next short while, but after the Tour of France maybe. But I think missing Rod Elling- Ellingworth here is, um, is starting to show. I mean, you, you've mentioned that to me on, on WhatsApp. And I, I can talk, I mean, it's one I hadn't considered at all. Um, and I, I don't, I'm not disagreeing with you in any way, shape, or form because I think it's a a, a real insight, possibly into what what is going on. But I'm wondering whether it's it's maybe too soon that all the practices and all the expertise that that Rod had and put into that team since their inception yeah, it's, it's would not... still be you know I, I can I can liken it to um, Apple for example when Steve Jobs died there was still enough momentum to keep that company going. For, for a wee while until somebody else was put in place. So Steve Jobs' absence wasn't immediately felt, and I kind of feel that perhaps it's too soon to be to be writing this off as, oh, it's, it's Rod, Ellingworth's, uh, Rod Ellingworth's absence that's at fault, although I'm totally with you as it being possibly a factor here you know and only only the guys themselves in, in that tour bus will, will know yeah it's, what, it's one on. of those ones you where i remember when rod left and when they were saying he was put on guard and leave and stuff like that and i, I questioned a good few people about what rod did because his hat was kind of very broad you know he was over the sports mm. directors he was over sporting performance he was over train and basically what did rod do and the word i got back or the, the short version of it was he did everything and when someone is so integral to that mm-hmm. sort of process and so integral to the team goes missing or is pulled out, as you said, the process and the procedures and everything else are still in place, but that person's not there. And to use a Dave Brailsfordism, marginal gains. It's that small It's that small percentage. That, and that yeah. might just be the difference. But at the same time, you know, 
uh, as we've indicated earlier on, like Thomas came in, he didn't really have the racing he had last year on his legs. He didn't look to be at the level he was at last year. And, you know, he doesn't look to have the kick or the burn that he had last year. You know, like when he went away on Altuez, you did believe that he was the strongest person on in tour. You did believe that, yeah, he was head and shoulders above anyone else. And this one, he just, he looks, I won't say weak, but he looks vulnerable. Uh, I think, I think mm. these first two weeks have shown that. And I think, you know, they've given light to Alaphilippe, Pino, perhaps. And I think the other GC challengers, challengers have just, again, as the race has gone on, have fallen off. Not necessarily, not necessarily that they've been cracked or that they've blown or that, you know, there's been a, a massive steering attack and Pino has rolled away and destroyed him. I just think that they've just fallen off. And I think the, one of the big undercurrents for this one is how uh, Mitchell and Scott have got the Yates twins wrong for two Grand Tours in a row. You know, they got um, one wrong for the Giro coming in undercooked. And now it looks as if they got the other one wrong. And kind of, again, in the same scenario, they may have, might have brought him in a little bit, a percentage or two below where he should be. And he's just, he's lost half an hour already. Like, you know, um, I think there's going to be, that's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back from that. Because, you know, Mitchell and Scott don't seem to be the scientific team that we praise Yumbo for or Ineos for. But at the same time, they're very methodical. They, they, they learn from the mistakes. And I think to get two Grand Tours wrong like this is going to be a big a, a big problem for them. That's, that's a really good point. And, and strangely, I was... Well, it's not strangely at all. It's, it's what we do, isn't it? I was watching the last few backstage pass videos on, on YouTube uh, from Mitchell and Scott... And you saying there, you know, they're not that attention to detail type team that, you know, NUS are, for example. I'd, I'd spotted this morning and it kind of struck me, but and I only really was thrown into sharp relief by what you said there. That, that uh, Matt White, when Yates won yesterday, he yep. was crying I in the it. team car. And, and you, you can't imagine Dave Brailsford sitting in the team car crying. And I'm not saying that... that Dave isn't an emotional guy or, you know, he isn't in, in any way in touch with his, his softer side. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he is, but I don't see Dave Brailsford being the type of guy who would break down in tears over, over someone winning like that. It just doesn't strike me as being that kind of team. And I'm not saying one is better than the other, but I think it is marked by a difference in approach. And if you watch those videos, I think they're really great because they do give some fantastic insight into the dynamic within the team. They've kind of just swept the Yates performances under the carpet and say, and they literally say, this yep. has been a great tour so far. Simon, are you ready to go home? No, no, absolutely not. You want another stage win, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what they went out and got. There's, there's no feeling in that team of... Oh man, we've totally arsed this up. We've messed up here, messed up another Grand Tour. Our plan was this, and look how badly we've we've actually done. They've accentuated the positive by going out and getting stage wins, and and you know that's fantastic for them. But I think in a team like Ineos, or or indeed some of the other more GC focused teams, there would be a real sense of. I mean, as I'm sure there is on Ineos right now, a real sense of disappointment at the looming failure that they 
came to the race. Yeah, to, and even at the moment, achieve. there's a, a feeling of confusion in Ineos. I saw uh, an interview with Dave Brailsford that they they don't really know what to do with um what to do with um Alaphilippe at the moment, and they, they don't know how to deal with him. And it's like the computer the computer model said this and. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now it doesn't work that way. And I think, I mean, you, the Rod Ellingworth thing, you may be right, you know, and, and, and as I said earlier, I'd be happy to, to put my hand up and, and, and agree to, to that. The other big absence, and maybe absence is the theme here, I think Chris Froome not being there has had a big impact on the team both within and without, because from the word go, if Froome's there going for his fifth Tour de France win, and it's been his sole focus this year. I think there's an automatic fear spreads throughout the rest of the peloton as to what that team's going to be like. They're going to be totally focused on this. As soon as Chris Froome crashed out, I think what went rippling through the other uh, teams at the Tour and Geraint Thomas himself was, and I don't mean this in a malicious way on Geraint's part, but I do think there was a sense of yeah, no, right, I'd, I'd 100% it. agree there because uh, yeah, it's like oh, we're going to, we're going to get bet here, we're going to get bet here. No, no, you know you're going out with that not semi defeatist attitude, but I think you know if you go back and you look at earlier on this year, uh, Dumoulin was skipping the tour, other riders were there was a quite a an array of GC riders heading to the Giro. Uh, the tour doesn't really suit me, you know, not enough time trialing, you know, all this. There was a raft of, I won't say excuses, but uh, there was a raft of choices made for riders to go to the Giro. And uh, primary on that was, you know, the, the thoughts that Froome was going for five in a row, that the parkours didn't really suit riders. And ah, look, let's leave it off. Let's leave it off. And, you know, look, he's going for five in a row. That They're going to have their A team there. They're going to have their A game. I might get a stage here. I might get a stage there. That's about the best I'm going to get out of that thing. Maybe crack top 10. But I can have a right rattle at the at the, the Giro. And again, then when Froome crashed out and all that sort of stuff, does it? it's like, yeah, there's blood in the water in their sense and a bit of chaos and everything else. So it kind of has added into this this kind of first two weeks of everyone going at each other. And as well as what you said about Ineos, because they haven't been so um, at the front, there is a chance for, the blanket has been lifted back. There is a chance for individu- individuality. There is a chance for riders like Buckman, Pino, Alaphilippe to try and, because there's not four or five uh, Skyriders there, there is a chance to have a go at Bernal. There is a chance to have a go at Thomas. And if you blow up, you blow up. But if you blow up, you're putting Thomas or Bernal in the red as well. Maybe they'll try and follow you, maybe they won't. And that roll of the dice is there this time around. Whereas you'd expect, you know, Froome was there, that this wouldn't, that, that, that Ineos wouldn't be riding this way. And I think perhaps you're right, they may have had a different uh, game plan with him there. And they may have forced the issue earlier and taken control of the race and try to throttle it down as early as possible and to maybe just settle it down and go right we have yellow we're taking it on from here and let's let's that let that be that but i think because they haven't done that they have opened opened the gates yeah definitely i mean i, I was struck by what getting thomas said coming into the time trial where it, I think it was to Matt Stevens at Eurosport, how he was desperate to to open the pipes up. You know, he was desperate to to get to that time trial. And even at that point, because I'd said, even at our preview show, 
regarding the, the tour that there was big question marks over the form of, of Geraint Thomas. And, and strangely, that I, I came away with the opposite impression of, of Geraint that he actually was dreading that, that time trial. Because I don't think you need say, you know, you don't need to yeah. over-egg the pudding to that extent. You know, I'm desperate to get to this. Yeah. But please believe me. Uh, it just sounded a, a wee bit like I'm I'm trying to bluff my I'm trying to convince myself that that's the case rather than I'm so confident at this that I'm going to blow everybody away at this time trial. I think the 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 psychological panic had maybe kind of set in a wee bit. Uh, we, we get around because he realised that the legs weren't performing just the way he would want them to, and indeed other guys were, were prepared to have a go at. Will we look forward year. to the last week? Will we? What do you think is going to happen? I suppose there's, there's three mountain stages back to back. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, is it? That's right, yeah. I mean, it, it culminates in possibly the most difficult uh, stage coming last on, on, on the Saturday before they head to Paris. So, And, and it could, the entire Tour de France could come down to what happens uh, on, on that final mountain stage. I, I picked Egan Bernal at the start of the race. I would have been more confident in my pick had he been able to at least stay with yep. Tino yesterday. Um, and I think weirdly for, for Team Ineos, had that been the case, their decision as to what to do going forward might have been easier. Um, so I'm not wholly confident in my pick now that um, Egan Bernal can step up. But having said that, I think in the back of my mind, when I look at those final three stages... The terrain there suits him more than it suits certainly Geraint Thomas. It's up above that 2,000 metre mark. It's where he will be happiest riding. And it may very well be that the rest day will have done him good and he'll come to the the, the Alps feeling much better than than he has done in the, the two days in the Pyrenees coming off the back of a time trial. The other... Questions I think I, I have are, are to whether Pino can keep up what he's been doing because he needs to. He needs to keep attacking the way he has to get the time back and hope that he can crack other people. The guy for me that we haven't mentioned and other than in passing as regards his how his team has been performing is Stephen Kreuzweig because if you look at GC and if Alaphilippe totally cracks in the way that's really expected of him, and Geraint Thomas isn't at the races in the way that we are perhaps positing as, as the case, then Kreuzvik is the guy who will, will sweep in and, and take take the win, largely because of that. He's been quietly going about his business in a, a really impressive way. I mean, I don't think, other than sending George Bennett back for bottles at a really stupid time last week, and all that happened there was that Bennett was was then free to be the the, the domestique yeah. for Kreuzweg rather than playing out you know who was going to be team leader there. Kreuzweg's sitting in a fantastic position now. If the guys up ahead of him continue to to look as and weak like, as, as just they add have to been. that, I think uh, Kreuzweg has really got Bennett and Lawrence the Palouse there writing very 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 well. I know mm-hmm. Pino has uh, Gadou or Gado writing very very well from. I think. They're the, they're the important parts. I think even looking, I'm just looking at the stage profiles for next, you know, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. 
the, the thing that stands out for me on Thursday is it's not necessarily that the is the Azard and the Galibier. I think it's the fact it's a 208 kilometer stage. It's it's a monster. It's a mm-hmm. monster stage. Mm-hmm. I I because there's a a fast descent off the Galibier afterwards. Um, I, I'm not sure if we will see a, a GC battle there. I, I because there's time to get back on. I think it may be the day that. Philippe gets weakened. It's the it's it's the it's the first punches. Um, I think we're going to have to see possibly someone having a go on Galibier, see if they can tin him down and seeing what happens. Um, they may not be landing the fatal blows on that day, but I think that's that's where we're going to see a bit of shallow boxing and see who has the legs. And I think, I for me, I think Friday's the day you're going to see it. I think Friday because you know it's a it's a 126k stage. It's short enough. Um. I, and it's what the first ninety k is all uphill. I think that's the day you're going to see legs. I, I think you know that's the day you're going to see people crack. I think if they go hard at that, um, you could see you could see people ship in a few minutes there. Um, I I agree. I, I'd also looked as I, as I mentioned earlier to to. Uh, the stage to to Valteren on on Saturday. Monster stage, um, monster for, stage. Absolutely. I mean, if if nothing else, for that final climb, which is what thirty six kilometers long, um, I, I think it was Adam Blythe who <laughs> said when he he read that, he said, "What are they doing climbing to the moon? How can you have a climb that's thirty six kilometers long?" Um, so just in terms of attrition. I think we're going to see big cracks coming on that that final climb because uh, there's there's no room to recover. There's a, I mean, it is stepped across ramps three or four, yeah, um, yeah ramps. But the, the, there's no real. It's kind of plateaus rather than uh, steps down. So there's no real recovery period where you can kind of make it back on a descent. So yeah, I agree with you on 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 Friday's stage, but. For different reasons, I think uh, Saturday will be equally as important, and that's what I mean. It could yeah, come you, right you could down very much to, see to that if someone has a bad day, that they they just try to limit their losses and they don't try and put themselves over. Like if you lose, for example, if you lose two minutes, okay, are you better off losing two and a half minutes and keeping yourself somewhat fresh to have a go again on a Saturday, or are you just better riding at your limit the whole time and having nothing left for Saturday? So you know, there's going to be. It, it's it's bird in the hand and bird in the bush kind of scenario. You're gonna to have to you're gonna to have to see how uh, things are, but I think um the one thing that kind of stands out for me for Alaphilippe is that Mass has been sick um and he's shipped a lot of time and hasn't really been riding for him. Whether he's come back around on the next couple of days and can do anything for him over these last three stages will be very very interesting. Um and see if he can tow him around or see if he can do anything for him. Um and the other side of it as well is you know we go back to Bernal and Thomas. Alaphilippe is very much isolated. Um, it was kind of surreal on Sunday seeing uh, Viviani, Morkov, and Ricesi riding in the valley for her, the the yellow jersey. Like um, you know, you're going to see the the stage in the Nimes, uh Our quick step going to gamble and trying ride for a sprint. Are they just going to protect the yellow jersey for the next couple of days and just leave anyone else who wants to have a crack at the sprints on their own and let them stay out of that? Um, so yeah. It's going to be interesting for Alaphilippe over the next few days. I can see him, you know what? I could see him probably holding on one of the days, but I, I do see him shipping some time on, I'd say, the Friday. 
Mm -hmm. The thing that got me about Alaphilippe yesterday wasn't the fact that he cracked. It was a it was certainly to to my mind a tactical mistake to try and follow Pino. I yeah. I think I mean you, you said this on on WhatsApp last week I think it was at some points it wasn't specifically in reference to to yesterday's uh, race that all he needs to do is follow Geraint's yep. wheel and job done and he didn't do that yesterday he tried to jump with Pino um, and he paid for it because he put himself in red and Geraint Thomas was able to come back and then when the, the, the road eased off a wee bit Geraint was able to to go again and that put Alaphilippe further into the red, which isn't isn't a uh, a GC guy's. It's a stage racer mentality. It's a, it's a single day racer. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So I think if if Alaphilippe has any chance of winning this, Lefevre should be sitting. And whether Lefevre has got this kind of tactical nouns, given the the DNA that runs like a rich seam through that team of, of one day racing, but somebody needs to sit them down and say, you need to just protect your lead. You don't need to be swashbuckling your way through through the entire tour. You've you've got your advantage. Yeah, you can ship a wee bit of time, but look to what you need to do at any given moment rather than reacting all, all the time. Because um, I think he's been racing a lot on heart over the past couple of weeks. Now it's time to race with his head and whether his head is in that game or not, we'll, we'll surely uh, find yeah, out like, like uh, by said, the like, end of the week. Give up 30, like it doesn't matter if you win the Tour of France by one second or 10 minutes, you've won the Tour of France. Um, and if he needs to give up 30 seconds to save himself, you know, for the next day or whatever else, I, you know, look, he's, what is he? He's 147 now up on Thomas. You know, he can easily mm -hmm. give up 30 seconds per day and still finish 10 seconds ahead. You know what I mean? I don't, I'm not, you know, I just, he can, he doesn't have to cover everything. He doesn't have to ride down everything. He can give away some time if he stays in yellow. The main thing is to protect, protect the yellow and to ride within himself and to, I suppose, you know, look, even if you look at um, that long climb that you mentioned earlier on, uh, like, it's the first third of it is really, you know, on, on the Saturday, it's the first third of it is really, really hard. It's real, real ramps you know, give up your 30 seconds there, give up your gap there, let the let whoever goes ahead of you give, go ahead of you, ride within yourself and then ride back up or ride, you know, chip away, chip away, chip away, take your seconds back, take your time back and just stay at your, you know, stay there, thereabouts. It doesn't matter, you know, at the end of it, if you're riding into Sunday and you're, you're four seconds in, in, in yellow, like you're four seconds in yellow, it doesn't really matter. It's all about that, that last couple of days. It's going to be interesting to see if they, they, First of all, give up the sprint stage and don't do anything for that. And it's going to be very interesting now to see if Quickstep work for him and manage him correctly and manage to get him to the line. Uh, just reverting back to, to my usual role here and, and asking the questions as opposed to <laughs> responding to them. What, what's your own thoughts? What um, do you think is going to win? I'd love to see Pino win it. I just, because of history and everything else, I think Alaphilippe probably has the skill set to do it. Um, I don't think Ineos have the skill set in this team to throw a Hail Mary like they did with Froome and go on a raid um, on Thursday or anything like that. I don't, Thomas just doesn't have 
hasn't had the legs. Bernal hasn't. He's been there thereabouts, but the thing for me was he he shipped a minute in the in the in the TT, um, and he shipped a minute to poor rider, not poor riders, but to riders who have since got distance. Port, Malama, few others. You know, he, I I don't. I would say. Pino, Alaphilippe, and Bernal, one, two, three. And I know after saying that, Kreuzwick's going to win it now. <laughs> Just can we take a minute uh, before doing anything else to consider we're going into the, the final few days of a Tour de France and there are two Frenchmen and with a very good shout of, of winning. I mean, even two weeks ago, the, that, that idea would have been... Yeah, it would have been, you know, look, we, I, I mentioned uh, one of the riders we haven't mentioned here, or two riders we haven't mentioned, Fulsang, um, just hasn't been there thereabouts. The first week was disastrous for him. And he just really, for a rider mm-hmm. who looked like Thomas last year, you know, he was competitive in one-week races. The one-week races, he rode well within himself and he won them well, or he was there or thereabouts and may have, you know, he was quite competitive um, and he came in, would probably of the Grand Tour favourites or Grand Tour the GC riders, he came in with the, the only one with a consistent first part of the season, and yet he's been nowhere. Um, and you know Landa is climbing back up again. Um, and yeah, I, I when we're discussing the preview with John, I said to said to him if the weather got hot, uh, you know, it got very warm around that the the second week and third week that Pino might struggle with the, the hot weather and it's 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 turning hot around Nimes. Mm-hmm. Um I think they're giving up to thirty five or so. Um so yeah, I, I I was I'm very surprised. I'm very surprised that Alaphilippe has hung on for so long. Um I, but in saying that, he's been off to Sierra Nevada for a big um, altitude camp before he came over. As you said, he looked at the TT. He prepared for that TT and he, he targeted it as well. Um, so he he may have had a plan that he would have gone into that and maybe sh- had a minute, two minutes, and shipped forty five seconds to a minute and maybe you know limited his losses. But I think um, when he saw how everyone else was riding, I think he really got the bit between his teeth. So uh, whatever's going to happen over the next week, the next few days, I think uh, we, we are in for one of the. The two, I won't say one of the tours of of the century, but maybe one of one of the grand tours of this century, um, but not of not of history. But I think it's is it a changing of the guard? I I don't know. I mean, that's that's a big big question. I mean, everyone will have their their own thoughts about. Again, it's it's the the very skinny elephant in the room in the shape of Chris Froome. Uh, if if Chris isn't able to to come back, and I don't think there's any any shame in, in that, then it, it is very much a changing of the guard. If he is coming back, then it is to to round out his career. But yeah, I think we're we're approaching that that tipping point. That I mean, I think we've we've seen it most recently with with sprinters. That has been a a big change of of the guard moving away from from. Kittle and, and and so on and so forth that you get new guys uh, coming coming through like like Sam Bennett for example Dylan Gronavegan and I, I I think yeah it definitely does feel like we'll look back and and look at this tour as being a changing of the guard regardless of whether Froome is able to come back because if he does it will be to just put a full stop on 
on a, a, a fantastic Palmares. And beyond that, we are looking to to guys like Pino, who no. actually is no spring chicken himself, but but certainly to 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 Bernal and and um, maybe Enric Enric Mas if if we can finally get to see what Contador saw in him. But yeah, I would agree with you. I think we'll probably look back at the 2019 too and go, yeah, that was probably um, the you're start on of one, it. two, three. My own one, two, three. Oh goodness, I was hoping to get out of this. Um, I'm going to stick with Bernal, and I'll, I know I'm regretting it even as I say it. Bernal, yeah, you know Kreuzberg, and, you know, and you know what? The the, yeah. the two top threes that we've picked, I can see the merit in both of them, and I can see I can see how how both both could mm-hmm. happen. Um, it would be interesting if they had they had Trunnion in a last day time trial, wouldn't it? Oh God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that would be uh, Greg Lamond-esque, or it certainly it yeah. would have the, the possibility um, it's, for it's, it. It's going to be interesting. A few days, I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I'd say probably Tuesday, Gunnawagen for the win. Wednesday. Yeah, definitely. I think Gunnawagen for the win because, uh, like you were saying earlier on. The Connie Quickstep will look to protect their their lead. I think Elia Viviani's had a hard few days, and I think he'll he'll basically be left to go and find have a, a go if if yeah. he can find the right yeah find find his way through. But I don't think there'll be any concerted effort from Quickstep to bring back a break or um, provide a lead out train for Viviani coming uh, into to the Thursday, finish. Wednesday, Sagan. Or De Ghent. Depends how it plays out because it's it's an interesting one. It's certainly got ruler yep. type written all over it. Um, and actually, I mean, Sagan looks full of beans at, at the minute. He clearly is enjoying his tour, um, wheeling one handed up 17% did, did gradients the, and so on. So do the autographs. So, uh, no, riding up the that, no. tourmalade, there was a fan with his autobiography, ran along beside him, handed him a pen and the autobiography, signed it and handed it back to him. <laughs> I still, I mean, I love Peter Sagan to bits. I still maintain that we need to find a sponsor for, for a, a team that whose sole goal is to challenge Peter Sagan for the green jersey at the tour because it's, it's kind of becoming a bit boring how... Obvious and de rigueur it is to see Peter Sagan take yeah, a green jersey all the way to Paris. Early on in the season, I, I did say this to John. If he wants to be considered one of the greats, he needed to perform in the Classics this year. You know, do the Flanders-Roubaix double. I think, uh, as he's shown with the, the green jersey, he's winning that on one wheel, one leg, one-handed, whatever way you want to say it. Like it, it They do need to, yeah, either... For example, Sunweb need to row in behind Michael Matthews. Someone needs to put it, put together a a sprint team or a, you know a decent team and and try challenge him. Van Avermaet doesn't look as if he can challenge him. Um, the only person I think who possibly could give him a good rattle, but has kind of not been at his best in sprints, is uh, Matteo Trenton. Um, but yeah, he, he's mm-hmm. he's winning that green jersey at a canter every year, isn't he? 
Yeah, definitely. I'm just looking at the the, the profile to to Gap, the stage we mentioned it has got you know Rouleur classics type all over it. If you want a mad conspiracy theory? How about Julian Alaphilippe throwing caution to the wind, trying to take flight over that final climb, and um, whether it's together or in a group, put pressure on Geraint Thomas. Uh, I could see him doing it on Thursday. If they if they if he doesn't crack on the Izzard, I could see him on the Galibier, if he's if he's in touch and distance of the GC favourites, I could see him putting time into the lads going down the far side. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's hard uh, to definitely. play for it. There's so many scenarios here. This is this is I don't know I don't know about you, but it's so many scenarios and you can there's merit in everything that, you know, you, all right, we're not mad conspiracy theories, but there's merit in saying, Yeah, Kreuzberg could win it. You know, I, I could see Alaphilippe attacking here. You know, it does there's, there's merit in all of this sort of stuff because the the first two weeks just have been full of everything, haven't they? Yeah, and nobody's looking immensely dominant. The people that have looked good and and attacking, um, you now have to put your sensible hat on and and your experienced Grand Tour watching hat on and go. They can't keep this up. You know, this can't be done for three days on on the trot going into to the Alps. Something's got to give. And, and the guys who've maybe been a bit more conservative up to now may uh, benefit from that. Or indeed, it might just be enough to, to hang on, given the time uh, gaps that there are. As you say, Derek, there are just so many scenarios and so many on things that, that note, could happen. We're going to end the show on that because I think let's leave it like that. Let's leave it with the people to have a, have a think and come back and listen to the show after the tour is over and laugh at us. Because... <laughs> And laugh your ass off. On that note, folks, (laughs) take care and enjoy the rest of the tour.